All right, let's take our Bibles out this time, and uh, let's turn to the book of John, chapter number 21. John, chapter number 21. And um, as you're turning there, um, I was getting my son dressed for church this evening, and uh, I asked him, I said, James, uh, Daddy's preaching tonight, and uh, you going to pray and ask Jesus to help me while I preach? And he just expressionless, no. <laughs> and... Uh, I was, I almost got in the flesh and I almost uh, decided to preach on honoring your father and your mother, but, um, <clears throat> but uh, I hope to bring a truth here to this evening. Uh, when, when we get into it, it might seem like I'm preaching to the choir, but um, I think there's a truth here that'll help us um, found in God's word, and it's something that uh, Jesus closes out uh, the account of John with, and so I think we'd be uh, mindful to hear what uh, the Bible has to say and the truth that God has for us this evening. John chapter number 21, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 19. John chapter number 21, the Bible says in verse number 1, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after that he had risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, 
he saith unto him, follow me. We find here this account given as God closes out the account in the book of John. And uh, John being his uh, mouthpiece as he writes this, uh, these words down for us, we find here a very familiar story. I, I trust one we've all heard before uh, of the disciples going a fishing. And, um, but more specifically, that of Jesus and his conversation with Simon Peter. And uh, from this passage here, I want to bring this message uh, with this thought in mind. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come to church. Lord, I pray you'll speak to hearts here this evening. Lord, I pray that you give me your powers, I preach. Help me to be a blessing. Help me to be an encouragement. Help me to be a, a challenge, Lord, here to all of us here this evening. Lord, I pray you'll be with Pastor as he's away. Give him rest. Uh, I pray you'll uh, fire him up and uh, give him uh, the strength that he needs uh, to, to carry the load that he carries. And Lord, I pray that you just be with us here this evening. Uh, give us something from your word, Lord, to help us uh, as Christians here this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you love Jesus? We notice in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19, the familiar story of Jesus appearing to his disciples on the shoreline of the Sea of Tiberias, commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. Though there are many different things going on in this passage that without a doubt we could look at and learn from, there is a central focus taking place that God seemingly places a point of emphasis on. It is the story of Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through this story that we find that the Lord Jesus Christ focused on bringing restoration and revival to the very disciple who had not long before denied him before men. Lest we forget, uh, it was Peter who had brazenly and brashly made the statement that though all men may forsake Christ, he would not. It was Peter who just a short time later, in contradiction to his own words, but in fulfillment to Christ's words, had denied not once, not twice, but three times the very one whom he had left all to follow. It was this Peter who immediately after he had denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times, went out and wept bitterly. We find the Lord Jesus Christ coming to his disciples a third time following his resurrection from the grave. He feeds them a meal of fish and bread. And when they had finished eating, Jesus focuses on Simon Peter, the disciple who had said that he would never deny him and would always love him. Jesus asks him a simple question. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? Now we think about this, and we might think this is an odd question to ask a disciple who left all to follow Christ. I mean, these men were, were the, the top 12 uh, men, I believe, spiritually speaking, uh, in the Bible, uh, if not during Jesus' ministry, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But we find here Jesus coming to the one who had left all, who had uh, turned his back to his career, uh, turned his back to his livelihood, turned his back to his hobby. Jesus comes to him and says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Simon Peter answered and said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus responds to him with that, with, after he says that and says, Feed my lambs. He then asks him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Simon Peter answers him a second time and says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus responds to him the second time and says again, feed my sheep. 
And then he comes to him a third time and says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Simon Peter sorrowfully, no doubt, he remi- he's reminded of, uh, of what he's done. He's reminded of who he is. And notice what Jesus is referring to him as. The person before he got saved. Simon was his name before he trusted Christ. And Jesus has come to him and saying, Simon, uh, he's, he's, he's pointing out to Peter that, Simon, uh, you, are, you are just flesh. You are uh, nothing sh- short of failing uh, right around the corner. But uh, Jesus is pointing out to him that he still cares about him. And he still loves him. And he still wants to use him. And, but he notice here he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Simon Peter sorrowfully answers. He says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus responds to him the third time, feed my sheep. You see, the truth that I believe Jesus is trying to reveal to Simon Peter and the truth that Jesus is revealing to Christians here today is this. And friend, don't miss this, uh, this, this statement here. Loving Jesus is not simply words that are said, but actions that are done. You see, so often we find ourselves where People just say that they love Jesus, but their actions betrayed them. And Simon finds himself in this boat where I believe he never would have thought this was possible. He never would have thought that he would have done what he's done. I mean, after all, he was the brash and the bold and the brazen disciple who said, Lord, I will never forsake thee. Lord, I will never betray thee. Lord, I'll not deny thee. I mean, can you imagine Jesus telling you and I that we would deny him and the the gumption we would have to say, Lord, I I don't believe you. I ain't going to do that. And uh, I mean, think about how brash and and, uh, brazen Simon was when he said that. But it was he who, he talked a big talk, but he lacked the walk to back up his talk. It was Peter whose very actions contradicted his words. Unless we criticize Peter too much, let us not forget that Christians even today are guilty of the same thing. You see, we live in a day and age where most Christians' lives resemble uh, the real Lord Jesus Christ about as much as a child's wading pool resembles a real swimming pool. You see, I mean, they're, called, they're both called pools, uh, but uh, one is so shallow that it's almost laughable to be called a pool. I, I have a child's wading pool at home. Both of my kids are still young and uh, scared of the water, and um, they want the water about that deep, and um, it's not even a pool. Uh, that is not a pool. Uh, but uh, we live in a day and age where Christians are shallow. Uh, Christianity has been uh, duped by the lies of Satan uh, to become a shallow uh, form of what it should be. In most people's eyes today, if someone says that they love Jesus, then that settles it. They love Jesus, and don't you dare question their love for Christ. I mean, we've all seen it driving around. You see bumper stickers. I mean, this is a famous one. Honk if you love Jesus. And uh, we've seen that one. Uh, Real men love Jesus t-shirts. And, um, you know, all these different things. I've seen one. This guy loves Jesus. You seen that t-shirt around? This guy loves Jesus. I have decided. I mean, talk is cheap. There's bracelets and necklaces with spiritual slogans and symbols uh, galore all over this world, and there's even on social media today, uh, hashtag Christ follower taglines put on anything and everything just so people can say they identify with Christ, but friend, I want you to think about this. Anyone can say anything, but not anyone will do anything to back up what they say. 
You see, talk is cheap, but action is costly. Uh, Talk is easy, but action is hard. If I could put it this way, if I say that I love my wife, but I never work to provide for her, I never uh, put clothes in her closet, I never put food in the pantry for her to be able to cook, I never pay the bills, and I, I, I'm very, and I just take all the money I earn and, and selfishly use it for myself, can I honestly say that I love my wife? If I say that I love my children, but then never do anything that proves my love to my children, I don't work hard for them. I don't put them in a Christian school. I don't uh, spend time with them. I I don't make sure they're in church where they need to hear the preaching of God's word. I don't ever tell them that that, that they have a sin nature that Jesus died on the cross for, and I don't ever do anything for them. Can I honestly say that I love my children? If I say that I love Jesus Christ, but then I never do anything that proves my love to him, can I honestly say that I love Jesus you see, we live in this world that Je- saying they love Jesus is one thing, but actions prove otherwise. And as we find Jesus approaching Simon Peter in this passage, I believe Jesus is also approaching Christians everywhere today and saying, hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Uh, hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that we love thee. Feed my lambs. He comes to us again and says, Christian, Uh, Child of God, lovest thou me? Oh, yes, Lord, yes, we love thee. Lord, thou knowest that we love thee. Feed my sheep. Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Oh, Lord, uh, why do you asking us this question? Lord, you know that we love thee. Feed my sheep. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20, friend, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Simon, son of Jonas, I believe if, if we could picture ourselves in this boat, Simon, son of Jonas, your fruit betrays you. If you love me, prove your love for me. Do what I have given you to do, Simon. Uh, do what I've commanded you to do. To Simon, it's time to stop talking. It's time to start doing. And Christian, child of God, if I could say to you here today, if you love Jesus Christ, hey, it's about time we started doing something for him. It's about time we started doing what he's given us to do and do what he's commanded us to do. And loving Jesus is not simply words that are said, but it is actions that are done. And friend, I want to remind you here today and ask this question. I want to ask us all this question, uh, ask myself this question. I want us all to forget everybody else, look at our hearts. Again, I know this may seem like I'm preaching to the choir, but Jesus is approaching Peter, perhaps, in my opinion, the, one of the greatest disciples that Jesus had. I mean, right around the corner, Peter's going to preach Pentecost, and Peter is going to see thousands of souls saved, and uh, he's going to lead them to Christ through the preaching of God's word. And he's asking Peter this question. Peter, do you love me? And Christian, if I could just challenge us here tonight, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Now, I've got three things here this evening. What having a love for Jesus does to you. What having a love for Jesus does to you. Number one, I want to draw your attention uh, to number one. It causes you to stay in touch with Jesus. It causes you to stay in touch with Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. 
Remember, Jesus comes to Simon and says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Hey, Simon, why did you follow me from afar off? Hey, Simon, I mean, and we're so quick to criticize uh, Peter, and, uh, but I want you to notice this here because if we could think about what's going on here, Jesus knows what Simon's done. Jesus knows how he's denied him. He knows every action he did during his trial and during his crucifixion. And I believe we thought about this. Simon, why did you follow me from afar off? Were you embarrassed of me? Hey, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Why did you deny me before men? Could it be that Peter got out of touch with Jesus? Could it be that the reason why Peter did what he did because he did not stay in touch with Jesus? You see, friend, ask yourself this question as Jesus, in our minds, is probably asking us similar questions today. Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why do you follow me from afar off? Are you embarrassed of me in this world? Are you embarrassed to identify with me in this world? I saved you. I've I've blessed you. I've given you a life far above anything this world has to offer. Lovest thou me? Why do you follow me from afar off? Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why do you deny me before men? You see, I don't know what goes on in all of our our lives, but I do know that we are human, and if, if Peter was capable of it, and if uh, uh, other great Christians are capable of it, what makes us think that we can't deny Christ either? And Jesus, I believe, up in heaven, if we're honest with ourselves, would be asking us the same question, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Now, I want you to notice here that if you love Jesus, your love for Jesus will cause you to stay in touch with Jesus. You see, uh, if I go on a trip, and uh, my wife's lighting up my phone with text messages and uh, anything else she can, and I'll be calling her and talking to her. We're staying in touch. Though we may be separated uh, for a time being, uh, we stay in touch. And friend, think about this. Jesus up in heaven, he's been separated from us for a while, but friend, he still wants to stay in touch with you, and he still wants to uh, spend time with you. And if we love Jesus, our love for Jesus will cause us to stay in touch with Jesus. Now, how do we do this? We do this from three ways, I believe, here. First of all, through Scripture. John 5, 39, the Bible says, search the Scriptures. You know, Jesus challenged his disciples to search the Scriptures. Now we know in context, he's talking about that ye may know that ye have eternal life and all that, but think about that. He's also challenging us to just search the Scriptures because there's so much more in the Scriptures for us to know than just get our our salvation settled and our eternal security settled. We ought to search the Scriptures to find out what God has for us, to find out what Jesus wants us to do, and to find out how we can get closer to Christ. How do you and I as Christians stay in touch with Jesus through Scripture? Hey, Christian, let me ask you this question. Have you spent time with Jesus today? Have you read his love letter to you? Have you read the word of God today from the Son of God uh, so that you can spend time with God? And friend, do you love Jesus? When I was dating my wife, and I'm sure all of you were probably in a similar boat. Uh, If you're married here today, you get those cards. uh, You get those. You didn't get any cards, Brother Farber? Oh, true that. (laughs) Um. I guess I should uh, make sure I clarify that. Uh, When you were dating your spouse and when I was dating my spouse, 
uh, I trust that you probably had similar experiences. Uh, he or she would write to you. You would write back to them. And uh, you would stay in touch with them. And I don't know, I'd get letters. And you know how it is, we read them. Sometimes you read them, you quick glance, and then you put it away. But then you go back to it, and you read it again. And you read it again. And why, is, why do we do that? Because we want to find out about that person. We want to get to know that person. We want to know where their heart is. We want to know what they're thinking. We want to know what they're feeling. And friend, we do the same with Jesus Christ. He's given us the greatest love letter in all the world. And so often Christians say, oh, that's nice. That's all right. I mean, uh, I know what the Bible says. I, we, we, we've, a lot of us have grown up in church our whole life. And a lot of us, we've been taught the word of God our entire lives. But how sad we get to the point where Christians cannot pick up the Bible for a week, a month, even years sometimes. And let me ask you this question. Do you love Jesus? Because if you do, you'll stay in touch with Jesus through Scripture. Another one is we, we stay in touch with Jesus is through supplication. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And friend, another way we stay in touch with Jesus is through prayer, through supplicating with Jesus Christ. You know, prayer is not to anyone else other than Jesus Christ, God himself. You're not praying to a man. You're not praying to yourself. Uh, some, I was talking to a man several months ago, out, out knocking on doors, soul winning, and uh, he was of the mindset that prayer was just talking to yourself. And prayer was just something that you, you encourage yourself because you get depressed and you get down in life. And so you got to encourage yourself and you got to challenge yourself. And so you just got to talk it through. And friend, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to pray without ceasing. And we ought to spend time with Jesus through supplication. When's the last time you've been talking with God? If I never talked to my wife, she'd question my love for her. If I said, talk to the hand, I'm busy. I got too much to do. And you know, I understand we're all busy. We all have things to do, but we have to make time for those that we love and those that love us. And so often we make time for people who could care less about us. We make time for people who, uh, quite honestly, uh, want nothing to do with us. Uh, and we focus on all these things and we neglect the ones that love us and we ought to love them. And friend, do you talk to Christ? Do you spend time with Christ? He wants to talk with you. The last thing on this point I want you to notice here, how we as Christians stay in touch with Jesus is through assembling together. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Matthew 18, 20, the Bible reminds us, Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now I know in context, Jesus is talking about prayer. But hold on, let's think about this. Let's, let's, let's give it some thought here, because uh, Jesus died for the church, did he not? Jesus bought the, the church with his own blood, did he not? And uh, so when we gather together with Christ as the church, is Jesus not in the midst of us? That means, you know what, when there's a soul winning ministry and a meeting going on, and the church is getting together, and there's a time and a place that the church gets together to go soul winning, where are the Christians? Are we assembling together? And so often we limit it to just church and just the service, but the church gets together for a number of things to reach the world and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And are we staying in touch with Jesus when the church assembles together? Hey, what about when there's a work night? 
hey, that's just as much serving Christ as any other thing. And when the church assembles together and pastor gets up and says, we need to have a work night and we need to uh, get some things done and we need some, some jobs taken care of. And hey, are you willing to join up with the church and meet up with the church? And hey, I, I don't know about you, but I think Jesus is in the midst of that. It's the work of the Lord, is it not? And are we spending time with Jesus like we ought? A friend, if you have a love for Jesus, it'll cause you to stay in touch with Jesus. Number two, I remind us here today, it commands you to have separation and standards because of Jesus. Uh, having a love for Jesus commands you to have separation and standards because of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? All right, Simon, why did you go back to the former life that I saved you out of? Why did you go back to the former life that I called you out of, Simon? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Why are you out there fishing with no clothes on, Simon? Hey, uh, let's think about that for a moment. I don't want to hear that garbage. Oh, that was the custom of that day. That's just what they did because God made it very clear in the Old Testament law uh, how they were to uh, array themselves. And so I think if we thought about this, Simon, what are you doing, man? What's going on here? You've gotten away from God. Do you love Jesus? Where's your separation and standards, Simon? Now let me reverse this on us, friend. Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why are you going back to the former life that you lived before you got saved? Hey, picture Jesus up there in heaven. Hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why are you looking more like the world and less like a child of the king? You see, we've got to think about this, Christian, because we're living in a day and age where the world's very cheap with their talk about Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Look at this shirt. This man loves Jesus. This guy loves Jesus. Uh, this man uh, is a Jesus follower. I have decided. And you know what? Anybody can buy a t-shirt like that. Anybody can get a t-shirt like that. Just walk down to any church. They'll, they'll probably throw you one if you ask them for it. Uh, it does not mean a thing when we say it if our actions do not back it up. Now, we ought to have separation of standards because of Jesus. Too often we get, uh, you know, uh, the Christians uh, that preach standards and separation get black eyes by this world because they say, oh, you're just trying to dictate to people and you're just trying to control people. Hey, uh, Jesus said it, friend. Is Jesus not the written word? And uh, we ought to have separation from sin and worldliness. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You see, too many Christians nowadays, they, Christ saved them from sin. Christ saved them from worldliness. And what happens? I remember when I got saved, and I trust you do as well. And man, when I got saved, and I grew up in church my whole life, and I got saved at 14 years of age. And you know what? I know what I was, and I know what I did, and I know what I was guilty of before God. But you know what? When God saved me, he changed me. And when God saved me, he gave me a new life, and he gave me a new heart, and he changed my life forever. And you know what? It was interesting. The things I struggled with before I got saved, I'm not going to say I never struggled with them again, but hey, I had a, a new heart, and I had a new desire, and those things, they just didn't have the allurement anymore that they once had. But something happens sometimes to Christians as they 
been saved and they, they lived the Christian life for a while. And all of a sudden, they start looking back at their past life and say, man, was it really that bad? You know, and uh, was it really that big of a deal? And we, we try to justify our previous life. We try to even go back to our previous life. That's what Simon did. He said, I go fishing. Fooey on this, Jesus died, and I've heard he's risen from the grave, but, uh, you know, I haven't seen him. Remember, the Bible says that he showed himself three times, but, uh, you know, to a certain, I mean, the Bible said they didn't know it was him. And, uh, you know, he said, I go fishing. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of this. I'm going back to fishing. And how many times do Christians do that? You know what? I'm tired of serving God. I'm tired of serving Jesus. I'm going back to this world, and I'm going back, and uh, I'm going to do what I want in this world, and... There's no separation from sin and worldliness. It's shocking, it's surprising, and it's very troubling how Satan is creeping into Christians and churches and, and even through people who have separations and standards and getting them to drop them. Uh, and, they, and then Christians get mad when there's preaching on separation and standards. And friend, you've got to be on guard. God, or Satan does not care where it starts. All he cares is that you start dropping the separation from sin and worldliness. But secondly, we ought to have standards of holy living because of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now that word conversation is not talking about our speech, although that is part of it. It's talking about, uh, it means general course of manners, our behavior, our living. We ought to be holy in all manner of our living. Now, I'm sick and tired of, uh, of, you know, turning on the TV and seeing people name the name of Christ, just like you are tired of seeing it, uh, of Christians naming the name of Christ and drinking and cursing and doing what the world does. But then we, then we, we see it on social media. Uh, we see it all over the place where Christians on Sunday are a far cry from what they are during the week. And should we not have holy living? Should we not have standards of holy living? I mean, our standards of holy living should not be based on what you used to be before you were saved or knew better. It should not be based on lost sinful man. It should be based on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our standard. And too often we get caught up, well, I'm not as bad as this guy. But you know what? You're still pretty bad. Uh, well, I'm not as bad as that homeless guy that, you know, he's cursing and he's doing this and he has no place to live. And, but hey, let's think about it for a moment. Are we not just as guilty and are we just not as wicked in our hearts as that man is? Though we put on a front sometimes, we have to ask ourselves this question. Are my actions, are my appearances, are my apparel choices, are my attitudes, are they becoming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friend, I don't understand Christians who are against standards of holy living. I don't get it because they want standards in everything else in life. I mean, we go to hotels and do we not want a certain standard? I mean, do you want bed bugs in that bed when you pay uh, $80, $90, $100 a night for that hotel room? Do you want bed bugs? And do you want roaches? And do you want rat droppings on your pillow? And do you want a cold breakfast when you get up in the morning? Absolutely not. We have standards when it comes to that. 
When we go to restaurants, do we want a table that's got food all over it and is greasy? Do we want uh, bones from the previous guest, uh, from their chicken or from their steak sitting on the table? Do we want uh, the server or the, the cook back in the back cooking our food, picking his nose and not washing his hands? Absolutely not. We have standards when it comes to restaurants. We have standards in education. I mean, you can take the, the wickedest, hardest person that hates God and hates the church and they want high standards in education. Well, we got to meet these standards. We got to maintain this. And we even have people that want standards in government. They say, we need this and we need this. Christians, I'm not talking about just the world. I'm talking about Christians. We want standards in all these things. But then they get upset when you say, well, hey, I agree. We ought to have standards and all that. But what about in your own life? What about in the Christian life? What about in the church? Should we not have standards as well? And they get mad and they get upset and say, oh, well, why are you preaching on that? Why are you talking about that? Hey, all I'm saying is if you love Jesus, if you have a love for Jesus, it will command you to have separation and standards because of Jesus. And friendly remind you here today, having a love for Jesus, it, it causes you to do some things. It causes you to spend time with Jesus. It causes you to have separation of standards for Jesus. And the last one, I'll be done. I'll wrap it up. It compels you to seek the lost for Jesus. It compels you to seek the lost for Jesus. John chapter 14 and verse 15, the Bible says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Hey, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Why did you stop fishing for the lost souls of men and return to fishing for fish? Why did you do it, Simon? Well, I called you to be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. Why did you go back? Hey, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Why did you stop preaching the gospel and seeking the lost? Hey, Simon, son of Jonas, remember what I told you when I called you. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and Simon, what are you doing? Why are you out here fishing when I called you to fish for men's souls? Hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why did you stop fishing for the lost souls of men and return to focusing on the cares of this world? Hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Why did you stop preaching the gospel and seeking the lost through soul winning? Hey, friend, hey, let me remind you here today. If you love Jesus, your love of Jesus will compel you to seek the lost for Jesus. You see, a Christian who rarely, if ever, goes soul winning, who rarely, if ever, tells others about Christ, who rarely, if ever, leads a soul to Jesus Christ, if, they, if, if that's the way they live, uh, I, I don't understand it. Because how were they reached? I mean, think about where you were and think about what you were when a soul winner knocked on your door. That was a soul winner who, hey, was busy fishing for men, not fishing for the cares of this world. That was someone who was busy fishing for eternal rewards, not for earthly rewards. Uh, and, and aren't you thankful and appreciative of uh, those who did, not, who did that when you got saved? I think about when, uh, and of course I was a little over one years old, uh, and, but I've talked to my parents often about this, uh, especially when uh, I was growing up. They would tell us often. Um, they were down in Jacksonville in 1987. Lost as lost could be. Both grew up 
my mom grew up in religion, Lutheranism. My dad grew up Assembly of God, but really wasn't much to it. Lost as lost could be. Uh, sinners on their way to hell. But there was a Thursday evening where uh, some soul winners from the Bay Meadows Baptist Church, Pastor Jack Weeks, out on a Thursday night soul winning time, knocked on their apartment door off of Bay Meadows Avenue way back in 1987 and uh, shared with my mom how she could know for sure she was going to heaven. Now, my mom was broken, and my mom was hurting, and she, had, uh, she knew she didn't want what the Lutherans had to offer. She was sick of the hypocrisy of that religion of, oh, we look all this on, uh, on church day, but during the week we'll live whatever, however we like, and she was sick of it. She left it at 16, ran away, uh, left it, said, I don't want none of that. But she was hurting, and she knew she needed some. She just did not know what. And hey, a soul winner came by knocked on the door and said, you know what? Let me tell you about Jesus and uh, led her to the Lord. Uh, as they told the story, my dad didn't get saved that night, but he got saved uh, within the week. And uh, shortly thereafter, my dad in the Navy got orders up to Maine uh, of all places. I mean, Maine, why would you ever pick Maine? And uh, Brunswick, Maine, he, he got orders up to Brunswick and uh, they're just saved. They didn't even have a chance to get into church and get grounded they didn't know anything from anything. They just knew that, hey, they wanted to find a good church to, to grow up in and to grow their family up in. And so they told me they started praying, and they visited this church, and they visited a non-denominational church, and they said, we don't want that. And they visited a, another type of church and said, we don't want that. That's not what's, there's a, they, they, they said, there's something not right about it. They didn't know what, they didn't, they weren't trained. They didn't know what to believe. They just were praying to God and said, God, Show us the right church. And in the wintertime in Maine, which if you've been in the wintertime, I think Brother Amos has been in the wintertime. That's, that's about the only person I know has been in the wintertime in Maine. And, um, you know, it's cold. It is cold. Uh, it's, it's nothing like our winters down here. And uh, blizzards, I mean, you'll have feet and feet worth of snow. Uh, I had to shovel that garbage just to get to school every morning in the wintertime. Um, but, uh, you know, they were praying, and they said, God, give us a church. We don't know what we're looking for. We just know that we, we need to get in church. We just don't know which one. And, it, oh, man, during the wintertime, there was a knock on the door. And they opened the door. And as my mom said, the strangest sight, she opens the door. An eight-month pregnant woman uh, is building a bus route in Topsom, Maine, where we lived. I mean, the Brunswick was uh, 30 minutes from Topsom, but they had a housing complex out here and uh, town, uh, apart, apartment, townhome type things. And she said, I'm from Open Bible Baptist Church, and I'm just trying to build a bus route in this area. My pastor gave me this area to build a bus route, and uh, we're trying to build a bus route. And my mom said, we'll try it. Uh, we've tried other churches, and we just, there wasn't anything there for us, and so they tried it. You know what? Uh, because of that lady's efforts, and because of those soul winners' efforts on Thursday night, my family got saved in church, and the rest is history. They got grounded in the Open Bible Baptist Church. Preacher preached there. Dr. Hiles preached there. It's funny how paths cross in such a, a so seemingly big but small world. But friend, let me, I say all that to say this. What if there was no soul winner? What if that soul winner said, you know what? I don't got time tonight to go out soul winning on Thursday night. I mean, I know Pastor Weeks. I know he wants us to go soul winning, but... Man, I got, I got so many things going on, I just got to tend to it. And I said, I'm not going soul winning this night. I wonder if there would have been a knock on my parents' door. 
I wonder if in Maine, when the pastor said, I need someone to build a bus route out and top some Maine, it's, I know it's 30 minutes away, and I know that it's not very many people out there, uh, but there is a base housing complex over there. That's open. There's no gate on it, and you can get in. There's plenty of kids, and there's plenty of people. I need someone to go build a bus route. And that lady, I went, she could have said, you know, I'm pregnant, and uh, I'll, I'll think about doing this later. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying she wasn't crazy, but I'm thankful for her because at eight months with child, she was building a bus route. You know what? What if she said, I'll, I'll do this after. Uh, God impressed upon her heart. God compelled her to seek the lost for Jesus. And friend, let me ask you this question. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus enough to where it compels you to seek the lost for Jesus? You see, soul winning is service. It is like any other service. It is for others. It is not for yourself. It is selfless. It is not selfish. Soul winning is a sacrifice. It, it will cost you. While others are attending to earthly affairs, you will be attending to eternal affairs. While others focus on rest and relaxation with their time, you will focus on redeeming your time. It is a sacrifice. And friend, but let me remind you here today, soul winning is satisfying. You see, you will knock on door after door after door. And it'll be hot, it might be cold, it might be raining, you'll sweat, you'll freeze, you'll get wet, you'll, uh, you'll get no answers, you'll get no interest sometimes, sometimes you'll get all out rejection and hostility. Oh, but let me say this, when one sinner hears the word and receives it gladly and bows their head and receives the free gift of salvation, there is a satisfaction that comes from doing what Christ has compelled you to do, that you know what, there's no rest and relaxation that can bring that. There is no tending to earthly affairs that can bring that. You see, there is a satisfaction that comes from being a soul winner. Now, friend, let me ask this question. It's a question that we have to ask ourselves often. When is the last time that I, and you have to ask yourself this question, that I sacrifice my time to tell someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ? When is the last time that I led a soul to Christ? When is the last time? Because see, if we are faithful to it, and if we are diligent to it, we'll see people saved. We've got to ask ourselves, when's the last time I led a soul to Christ? When's the last time I sacrificed my time to tell a soul about Christ? Hey, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Hey, Christian, child of God, lovest thou me? Oh, yes, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Loving Jesus is not simply words that are said, but actions that are done. Let me close with this. Uh, there's this poem I came across, and if you, if you know me, when I uh, preach, I like to use poems. I, I like poems. And uh, there's something about poems that convey a truth that sometimes otherwise are just hard to convey. But William Cowper, uh, a man that wrote the song, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood, wrote this poem, Lovest Thou Me? Hark my soul, it is the Lord. Tis thy Savior, hear his word. Jesus speaks and speaks to thee. Say, poor sinner, lovest thou me? I delivered thee when bound, and when bleeding healed thy wound. Sought thee wandering, set thee right. Turn thy darkness into light. Can a woman's tender care 
cease towards the child she bare. Yes, she may forgetful be, yet will I remember thee. Mine is an unchanging love, higher than the heights above, deeper than the depths beneath, free and faithful, strong as death. Thou shalt see my glory soon, when my work of grace is done, partner of my throne shalt be, say, poor sinner, lovest thou me? Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is weak and faint, yet I love thee and adore. Oh, for grace to love thee more. Hey, Christian, let me ask you this question. Do you love Jesus? You see, at surface, that might seem, of course I love Jesus. I mean, who doesn't? He saved me, didn't he? I'm in church, aren't I? I, I, I tithe the God, don't I? Well, hey, friend, there's more to loving Jesus than just that, though that's part of it. Hey, there's three things that we find in Scripture that Jesus comes to Simon Peter and says, Simon, what are you doing? You're still my disciple, but do you love me? Because if you love me, Simon, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I've given you to do. You'll spend time with me, Simon. Hey, Christian, do you love Jesus? Heavenly Father.